by Riverside. What's going on? Episode 12, Backside Ground Ball Pod. What's happening, Trev? Nothing much. Can't complain. Another day, another dollar. Yeah, it was supposed to cut the grass today. Got got held up doing things. So you want you want to hear a story? You were you came over about me getting hit in the eye with the rock. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's a good story. Go ahead and tell it. Yeah, so I'm I'm just cutting in my backyard. I'm I'm trying to get in some nooks and crannies out there along the fence and. A rock gets caught up in the, in the blade and slings up and hits me square in the eyeball. Like, did not hit anything around it. It's just square and just build up of blood in my eye. So, you don't know this. So, the, the next day, I'm at the grocery store. And the the kid that's checking me out goes, is your, is your eye all right? Like, because it's just like, I, I just look like I basically have, like, blood filled up in one eye like not bloodshot like legitimate blood on the corner of my eye and he turned so i'm like yeah tell him the whole story so i see him yesterday and he goes how's your eye and i go you're never gonna forget that are you he goes no shot that's awesome that's a scary scene that's a scary i watched i watched the rock come straight for me like i was just sitting there like Looking down, obviously, and I was just like, saw it out of the corner of my eye and just went, bop, square. Didn't Danielle tell you to wear safety glasses or something? No, somebody, I I told that story this weekend in Atlanta, and that was the first thing the, the person who I was staying with said was, you didn't have your safety goggles on? I was like, can't say I've ever even thought about it. Not while mowing the lawn. No. No. It's not like, you know, you're like using a bandsaw or anything. You're just cutting the grass. I mean, we're talking about yeah, like you... a push mower. Where's the stones coming from, though? That's I have I'm no about. idea. Obviously, Wash with us out pushed up somewhere? against the... Well, uh, we're pushed up against the woods, so you never know against the... Mm-hmm. Around the edges along those fences, so... Did you find the culprit? The rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did did you like? Did it hit your eye and like you you knew where it went? No, I can't say I I immediately decided to look for it. I'm, oh, sure I'm just thinking, still, what if you hit it there. again? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I would want to get rid of it so that I don't I don't run it over again. Get yeah, well, lose an I, eye. I think there's a decent amount of rocks in that in that area, so I just got to be a little more careful. Yeah, head on a swivel, I guess. How many times can a guy get hit in the eye with a rock before he loses his eyesight? You know, you better be careful. You know, yeah, I feel like you got so I many. was kind of, I'm not, yeah, I was going to say, I, I was, I kind of wanted like the little blot to stay in my eye. It kind of looked sick. With Scarface? Yeah, it looked like I had like battle a, scars. Like an, yeah, yeah, it adds like an extra dimension of toughness. Yeah. Oh, you know, some, <laughs> some shrapnel got in my eye. When I was in yeah, 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 right. You can make fine. up some stories and stuff. Yeah. Get some discounts at the restaurant. Veterans yeah, discount. Exactly. Yeah. 
freaking go out for Veterans Day. I got breakfast, lunch, dinner, and freaking ice cream for for free. Yeah, caught some shrapnel and over overseas. Now I'm uh, back. I'm a hero. I, I I think I'm allowed to say this because because of who my father is. But the Veterans Day discount is an absolute scam. <laughs> <laughs> it is a scam. You did not realize how many people were in the military until Veterans Day discounts start get thrown around. Is this a Dickie's barbecue complaint? Like, is are you saying this because of Dickie's barbecue? Yes, yes. So, so what veterans? So- if you didn't know, there is a whole section in the newspaper that comes out on Veterans Day of where you can get free food. And the amount of free sandwiches we give out every Veterans Day was- Put a number on it. On 150. Stop. 150. Swear to God, we left $2,000 on the bone of free sandwiches being- And they only come and you go, you want a drink? Is that free? No. No. I want a drink. Wait, hold on. So first off, what kind of- what kind of I got so many questions. What kind of sandwich were we giving out? Brisket? Pull, like beef? Pull no, pork. no, no shot. Pull no. pull pork. Yeah, go yeah. with the cheap All stuff. Pork. Pork's cheaper. Yeah. Any that any extra barbecue on there? Yeah, I mean they get the veterans would complain about the free sandwich they got. Yeah. Oh yeah, they'd be like, I want brisket. <laughs> dude, no. Like in like at like eleven in the morning when the first dude rolls in, I'm like, Okay, like sure, here's a brisket sandwich. By like Person number 15 by 1130, I'm like, like, I'm telling you, we did like a normal day of sales, let's just say is 2000 on a, on a Tuesday. It's probably like 1750. Let's just say on like Veterans altogether? Day alone, we did 1350 and we were swamped. I worked all day. We were swamped from 11 AM. There's six people at the wait at the door. And nine at nine p.m. All, when all we veterans, closed, dude. It was unbelievable, nonstop. So what do you we walk slaving. in and you just? Did they just walk in and say, "I'm a veteran. I'm here to collect my free sandwich." Yeah, that's a, that's what they do, and they literally just go everywhere. Do they just restaurant hop? Yep. Are there people who just like? Do you think there's there's people out there who just like? Uh, Instead of grocery no, shopping around Veterans Day, they just they just roll around a different restaurant and then they like putting them in the freezer and like ah, I got that Dickies barbecue sandwich in the freezer for for later or what? Dude, you would think like some of the people you would think they were battle tested when they came in. Like these people were just they, for lack of a they better might term, have been battle gritty. tested. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, with how many people are walking through the door, it, it, there's no way. Dude, there's no way people got all these people got in combat. This dude, like these dudes, in were Delaware, just like, right, right, right. Yeah, in Delaware. in Delaware. Like, yeah, I see what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like they were. Like we're not. We're not ten minutes out of Fort Bragg, right here. Like we're we're, we're literally in Delaware. Like how many people could be stationed in Delaware? Like these people were probably like Army reserves who just did it for that extra paycheck every so often and whatever or got drafted at the end of the Vietnam war and then just decided to hang it up and like milk their military idea as long as possible. Wow. So, I mean, I guess that's a good thing though. I never, so I'm just, I'm surprised cause I never knew that this was a thing. Like I didn't know that on veterans day veterans could get free meals places to be yeah. honest. I had no clue. 
So, uh, but honestly, that's good. That's good. We don't do much else for veterans in this country, so we might as well give them a free pulled pork sandwich on uh, on Veterans Day at Dickies. So good for you and your well, dad for doing that. It wasn't me and my dad. It was Dickies Corporate. Because my dad good was job for Dickies Corp down yeah. in Dallas. I'm sure he was. Yeah, your dad was like yeah, my dad as by a the veteran. The I'm day, sure your dad was like yeah. He's like, these people are freaking mooching off of this system. He's like, I, da- I was like, yeah. Like, did your dad go collect? He used to, yeah. Until he got fe- he got he got finessed by people. <laughs> he got fleeced by all these people, and now and he doesn't no do way it to know. anymore. I could, so I could have walked into Dickies on Veterans Day and been like, "Can I have a free pulled pork sandwich?" I I served. I'm serving. Yeah, you're supposed to ask, but I, I didn't have, dude. I'm telling you, like at the beginning of the day, it you're was like supposed 11, to ask. 15. Yeah, it was yeah, like but 11, my point 15. is, is like, what, do they have to show you credentials when you ask, or they'll just say yes? Yeah, usually a military ID. Usually a military. Oh, ID. okay. But, That's why I'm getting confused because I'm like, maybe you were getting finessed. Yeah, but no, most of them have military, and a lot of them will show them anyway, and you'll just be like, you're good. Like I don't. A lot of them wear like you know like. On that day, the, like hat, the lanyard, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they got the whole the nine jacket. yards. But I'm telling you, yeah, at eleven fifteen, like we're so caught off guard by this, we got like a pile up. So like you know, you know how it goes around in that Dickies, like it's like Chipotle uh-huh. where you walk. So it's a little tight oh. around the Coke machine, and I kid you not, it's eleven fifteen. I'm just like chucking pulled pork sandwiches <laughs> over the counter. I'm like, you a veteran? Yeah, here you go. You a veteran? All right, yeah, here you go. Like, cause they're not right. paying anyway. Cause they're all like, so it's not like they have to come down to the register. And I'm just like, I no, gotta get just, these, this crowd out of here. Like, pulled pork. It's pool like, pork. here you go. Here you right. go. Here you go. It's like handing and out Chick fil A sandwiches after a road, like, you know, while you're on a road trip. Yeah. You're oh in the lobby God. of the hotel and you just yeah. start firing stuff at people to get them out of the lobby. Go back oh to your my room. Oh, God, dude. Yeah. Dude, it's, it, I didn't it's see unreal. this. You're teaching me a whole new world. I didn't know this. I didn't know that you could give that like restaurants were giving out free grub on Veterans Day. They do the same yeah. on Memorial Day. Would you guys do the same on Memorial think. Day? <laughs> not that I know of. I can tell you that much. But if, no. if we what did, about Independence my, my dad Day? did not abide. No. Free pork for Day. all Americans on Independence Day. Yeah, could what? you imagine? No. <laughs> First of all, my, well, my dad would have had a heart attack. We're not going to get into. We're not going to get into to that. Sure, of course he would have. His business would have survived. He he, he would have been found dead. Like, and, no, he would have actually been en route to Texas to kill somebody and then been found dead. <laughs> he was already. He would have had to do it because he was already in enough trouble for not using the uh, Dickies beans. Oh my god! Yeah. Well. <laughs> Now, now he doesn't. Now he doesn't communicate with them over the phone because he refuses to say anything to them with it, without it being in writing. So he says, whenever somebody calls him from there, he's like, "Send me an email." We should have Mister Powers on the show. He would. It would be what a blast that would be. Maybe when he oh. retires and moves down to the beach, we'll get him on the show. Yeah, we'll get him. We'll get him liquored up in a cigar, and then we'll put yeah. a microphone uh-huh. in front of him and uh-huh. tell, yeah. tell well, Rangers. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the three of us on the like, you know, on the balcony yeah. of the beach house, a couple, yep. couple stogs and a glass of whiskey. Just yeah. Uh, it, listening it actually to him tell stories. Be, it would be pretty cool, like if you've never heard stories of Ranger School. It's 
it's kind of pure like savagery. Like no doubt. He, he was kinda he was kinda in the military in like the dead time, but Ranger School has some some pretty pretty cool stories. I can only imagine some of the things you don't that- eat or sleep for three months at least. It's bizarre. Yeah. That is just that is bizarre. But awesome. So that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Look, um, I was I'm glad we I'm glad we went off on this, because uh, I was gonna say I don't have any other sports to talk about tonight. Yeah. And NFL stuff. So we spent a good show. Yeah, well. I'm not that yeah, big of an NFL could. fan. No. I and it's hard. if you're gonna be as big of a college football fan as you and I are you, it's hard to be an NFL fan too because you really can't. I mean, people do it and bless them, but you really can't expect to sit for like thirty-six hours on a weekend. You you have to have and the just the not move. Job. Yeah, you have to have and like the perfect, perfect nine spouse, to five job, perfect life. Perfect, yeah, like not even perfect. Like you have to either hate them or they have to hate you. Like basically, like, so they can't bother like, you. Well, and also it's just like I don't know. I, you got to be a special type of person because I can do this week, this like Saturday. I fully intend on. I'm just going to watch college football from. I'll turn on game day and then I like whenever I finally fall asleep watching the whatever the you know 10:30 kick is. Like that's all I'm probably going to do. But Sunday I'm not going to want to do that. No, you know, like I say, all right, I just sat on the couch for full like an entire day so i just think for me it's tough to be as big of a college football fan as i am and an nfl fan you know i'll I'll pay attention to the eagles and root for the eagles and you obviously know what's going on in the league and you follow your favorite you know college players but also being type a is hard like when you like me like i sit there and i'm like you know, like the only my, thing my I can dial in for four hours is Penn State because I'm watching because yeah. there's something for me to watch. Like, ooh, who's that playing tight end? Oh, who's that sure. coming in at wide receiver? Who's that a linebacker? Like, there's always something that I'm like, ooh, like they're running this scheme right now. But like anything else, I'm like sitting there for like, and I love it. But like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go clean the kitchen. Oh, I'm gonna vacuum yeah. this room, or oh, I'm gonna cook, or I'm gonna build, like, put together this because it hasn't been done. Like, it's just I just go crazy. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, not, and that's a good thing, honestly, because it is. When you watch some of those other games, you know, like when when I'm watching the Cyhawk this weekend, Iowa, Iowa State, like I don't, I don't need to be fully engaged. Are you can score if you're not taking a nap. Points. Yeah, exactly. How about, how about the Hawkeyes last weekend against the, the fighting Jackrabbits from South Dakota State? South Dakota State's a good program, okay? That's <laughs> yeah. number three FCS school. They're number three in the country FCS. Fair, but the FCS. The fact that Iowa, though, can't score against them. And Reese uh, Davis was calling them this week, Iowa. Take out the O. Iowa. I mean, take just... Take out the O. I mean, awful. Oh. That's a good one. What a can you imagine like at the same time that UNC App State's going on, where App State's scoring forty points in the fourth quarter alone, Iowa can't 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 offense can't score against uh Dude. South Dakota, an FCS program. The oh, fighting well. jackrabbits, right? 
or something like that. Yeah, yeah no, they're the Jackrabbits. You're right. I love that. Yeah. That's such a good, such a good logo. I feel like I feel like maybe maybe you, not on record, but I feel like a couple times now you've brought up the Dakotas to me. Am I imagining that? Yeah, that's the, the second time you were talking about. I we feel were like talking about moving to the Dakotas. Was that a conversation me and you had, or was that on the podcast? Maybe. <laughs> I can't remember. But are you a Dakotas guy? No, my dad wanted to move there. That's what it was. Because yeah. I might offend some some listeners here if we have any listeners in the Dakotas. But like, as far as I'm concerned, you could just remove them. Just send the Dakotas to Canada for like a player to be named later. Some cash considerations. Like, yeah, no, I mean, no it's all about either. preference. It's all about preference. The, the reason why they're relevant to me is because it's not like they have good skiing. Like Montana, you got mountains. Oh, there's a lot of things in Montana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. Montana is just like nothing. Hunting and nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And the only reason the hunting is good is because there's about 15 people in the Dakotas. So if anyone else That's wanted true. to go hunt, you'd run out of animal to hunt because then there'd be too many people. There's like seven guys with with rifles and the Dakotas combined. There's like four in north and three in south. And they just they meet up at the border and go hunting, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Not a place I would. I gotta, I'm going to offend somebody. I don't want to. Well, as of now, we don't have any listeners in the Dakotas, but we do have some in Michigan. Well, we're never so. af- after that. We'll never have any. Oh, go Big Blue. I hope no. Okay, sure. I'll support it for the <laughs> podcast, but that's about it. I just meant that I have no problem with Michigan. Here's a fun fact, and then we again I, at some point we're going to start talking about baseball from the jump of these episodes but it's too fun to do that here's this is my fun geography facts that um always like people always just look at me like i'm crazy it did you know atlanta's further west than detroit i believe it because the coast down when you hit the carolinas starts right. to it, come it, west. it bends in good side yeah. bend yeah yeah isn't that fascinating? Because you would never, right? Like awesome. you think of, no, you never think, you think of, of Detroit, Michigan is Midwest. You think of Atlanta, Georgia yeah. is East Coast. You do. Atlanta, you do. Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia is further west than than Detroit. Well, technically, Michigan. Atlanta is on the coast, but it is further west than Michigan. Than Detroit. That's what I'm saying. No, yeah. no, no, no. That's crazy. Atlanta is East Coast, but I'm saying you consider Michigan East coast. Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's that's further. crazy. I met I met a couple. I've met a couple people recently from the UP. Man, what a place that sounds like it is. Really? Oh, I so, so yeah. I I got. I'm not gonna look. I have I. Uh, yeah, let's skip let's skip this conversation. I have family up there, so. Uh-huh. I like them. I like it up there. Yeah. Yeah. I do. It's, I do. I do. It, it sounds like, like we're actually going next phone. weekend. We're going essentially to, essentially to, to the, the UP. UP. Essentially. We're going to Wisconsin, the Wisconsin side, but with, yeah. you know, it's the, like you're right, you're right across sister Bay or whatever, whatever it is yeah. up there. Roll badgers. Yeah. Bucky. Awesome. Been Bucky. to Madison. Campus is oh, sweet. The- 
right on Lake Mendota. Sweet. Oh, I'm sure it is. You want to get in another rabbit hole with me? Why not? We're only 20 minutes into this thing. Have you? (laughs) I went to Bucky's this weekend twice. The gas station, like B U C C E E S or whatever, like B U C. Yeah. There's one in Florence, South Carolina. Bro, sure. It is like an amazing review park. Really? Oh, it's phenomenal. Five star. Five star. I bought a shirt, Bucky shirt with like a red truck on it. You got I a Bucky a coffee shirt. Mug. I got I got a coffee mug. And <laughs> like I it's dude, I've never seen people so excited to be in a gas station. I swear. Is it to like God. a sheet? Yeah, but it's massive. It there's like 120 pumps. And like it was packed. Now you have to understand. Darlington was this weekend, so that that's like ten minutes oh. away from Florence. So like it was okay. it was NASCAR country. So I was surprised with how many people were there, but it was a mad zone right there. But with 120 pumps, you just have like you have brisket, you have pulled pork, you have a bakery, you have burritos, you have like made to order made like to Wawa order kiosk, yeah. you have like ice cream, you have fudge, you have like sweet peanut Stop everything it. you could imagine and then they have a whole gift shop too on the other side like and cracker like, barrel this place yeah yeah like where you can buy all this stuff you could buy a tent you could buy chairs you could buy like anything so is it it's kind of like a it sounds almost like a a walmart dude it was uh, yeah kind of because you know the wall the super centers have the gas yeah i'm telling you like people in there were like fired up about being there. Like you would think you were in Hershey Park and it was like free Reese's cup samples. Like Shout we're out Hershey out the Park. Show. Yeah, like seriously, like with how excited people were. Like I I walk past people FaceTiming their friends. Like, I'm at Bucky's I'm like, in a Bucky's. freaking out. Where was my FaceTime? I I mean I, I was fired up, but uh, I didn't think it was that poor. I didn't want to be that guy. We'll take a roadie. I'm telling you, because Danielle doesn't understand, because I came home literally hyping it up, like beyond belief. And she's like, what is wrong with this place? And it was like, yeah. So she doesn't understand. So we're going to drive down to Florence. It's only like an hour 30 from from my house. Now let's do it. Take it. Dude, I'm Just for the Buckies. Three hours in a car just to get gas. Just to get gas. Just to get gas. (laughs) Or we can go down to Myrtle Beach for a weekend. Something like that. that there, now, you're speaking, now you're speaking now the language. Up. Or like, you know, maybe we'll wait till the spring. Go see uh, go see USCA can play. True. We could. They're a little bit. They're west, though. We might as well go yeah, to South very, Carolina. Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Because Aiken's like Aiken's border. I went right Georgia. through Aiken. Like right by Augusta. Atlanta. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like 15 mm-hmm. minutes from Augusta. Yeah. So we'd be better off going to like Columbia, maybe. And watching that South Carolina Clemson. play or Coastal Carolina. Oh yeah, what am I thinking? Pretty good. <laughs> do I do love the fun belt? So <laughs> yeah. Um, baseball. Should we talk about baseball, or do we just want to make this a this just a a back and forth about nothing pod and see how many listeners we can we can keep? Yeah, I don't know. I hope the listeners now know. Our personality. This is a good opportunity. We should just name this episode like Meet 
Trevor and Dan officially. <laughs> like you, you can either find out if you like them or hate them, but like here's your opportunity for them to show their personality on the podcast. Could we actually be friends in real life? Yeah, exactly. I mean, not that most of our listeners are probably already friends with us at this point. So, um, except for those in the UP. Yeah, the UPs, unless it's your family. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, man. Anyway, Clayton Kershaw is really good at baseball. Really good. Really good. Um, they talked about him on MLB Central today. Uh, D-Row dove in uh, on him, and we thought we'd get in on the debate because I think, is he the best of all time? Which I, I hate having this debate. I think it's more of too. we want to appreciate how good Clayton yes. Kershaw is because it doesn't happen. It. Somehow it doesn't happen enough. Um, and I think it's fascinating because me and you even fall for it a little bit. We, when we were deciding what we were going to talk about when we finally got to baseball tonight, we were talking about Kershaw a little bit on here, and we were just going back on stats, and we were both just like, whoa, Like, can you believe this number and that number? I mean, unbelievable. And to me, the, long, the longevity of it is crazy because it feels like he's been around for forever now, and he has. I mean, he was a rookie in 2008. Um when he threw 107 and two thirds in 08 as a rookie and obviously had his work, you know, his worst year, he had a four, two, six ERA with a, you know, he had a four Oh eight FIP and his ERA plus was 98. So slightly below average, but as a rookie in their first full season, a lot of guys would accept that, right? There are a lot of guys who are in their eighth season right now in the bigs who that's a, that's a pretty good year for them. And that's his worst year. And then it just became a train that ran off the tracks, um, just out of control. Good. Obviously, everyone knows about all the Cy Youngs. Um, it felt like he was, you know, the Cy Young every year for a stretch there. He's won three of them. He is a five-time ERA champ. He's got a, a pitching triple crown. He's got nine All-Stars, a Gold Glove, a World Series, um, and an MVP as a pitcher. And yet, here in 2022, it feels like he doesn't get his his due. And you know what it kind of reminds me of is until this year when he announced he was retiring – it was a lot like Albert Pujols, and I wonder yeah. if the when if Kershaw does a, a farewell tour where he's like, "This is it." If then we all start to really recognize again just how good he is. Now, by the looks of things, that doesn't need to happen for a long while because he's just as good as he's ever been. Um, but I feel like almost like Pujols for a lot of years there in in, in Los Angeles when he was with the Angels, everyone kind of forgot about Albert. And just how good his numbers are now. This is last year. Everybody's remembering, and he's obviously on this, this, this path towards 700 home runs. And, and um, it almost feels like that's what's happening with Kershaw a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the the only big difference that I would say between him and Albert is just the fact that Kershaw hasn't fallen off. You know, like Albert was still average big leaguer for the first couple of years with the angels and, and still hit for some power. And then obviously dealt with the injuries that, that kind of took him down quicker than, than most had expected and made that contract look a lot worse than it is. But like, I can't believe Kershaw's 34. 
with with how good he is and and everything. I mean, obviously he's been dealing with the injuries for the last couple of years. The back problem, you always worry. He really hasn't pitched to a full season since 2019 and obviously 2020 was shortened, but and it looks like this year he's going to be around what he was last year with 22 starts and 120 130 innings potentially. But you just look at that and the volume of work and it's like I mean, it's just amazing what he does. And and I think most people, most teams, any team in the MLB would take 22 starts of Clayton Kershaw being what he is and just deal with the injuries and hope he's kind of right and at the end of the year. But, you know, he just, he keeps on doing it. I mean, he comes off the D, the IL and he's like against the Mets. He walks three guys in the first inning, gives up a run and then goes four one hit innings the rest of the way. And then it's just like it's he comes off the aisle and just business as usual. Yeah, I, I, it's incredible. And I think the thing, you know, obviously, like you, you know, Pujols, you're right. Pujols was he, he didn't have great years in LA, but it, I'm I just mean as far as the fact that we had forgotten how good he was in St. Louis those yeah. average years. And what's crazy about Kershaw is he stayed good, and I think we still kind of just. Because it's just ho hum at this point, and there's there's new guys to talk about, right? Whether it's Sandy Alcantara, or Corbin Burns, or Jacob Degrom, obviously Scherzer, and it's like, yeah, but the best pitcher of this generation has been Clayton Kershaw. He's been doing it yeah. since 2008. And what's nuts to me too is, like you said, like so many times he's run into these injury, like the injury issues, the back problems. He even had, you know, the shoulder impingement, just all these different things that he's had that he's dealt with, kind of in the last handful of years. And every time I'm like. Uh oh, uh oh, but every time he comes back and he's still Clayton Kershaw, and it's it's incredible. And you know, yeah. I think one of the things that uh, people kind of dinged him for, and and, and always used to kill me because I used to def- you know defend him, defend him, defend him. Is he he got the couldn't pitch in big games tag? Yeah, which used to just drive me up a wall for a couple reasons. One being the fact that he was in them every year. So the more opportunities you have, the more chances you have to fail. For one, for two, mm-hmm. he wasn't bad, and like they people would make it seem like he couldn't pitch in the playoffs. Period. It's like no, a lot of times he would go out and he would throw two hundred and fifty innings during the regular season, right? For that stretch or two thirty, I guess is what I should say. He was two hundred two thirty innings every year, um, and then they'd ask him to pitch game one, and then they'd ask him to pitch game five on on like three days rest. And he wasn't as good on three days rest after having thrown 230 yeah. innings all year. And he used to kill me. And then in 17, he kind of silenced that. Um, you know, he threw unbelievable in that World Series. And then he was good in the World Series again that they won a couple years ago in 20. And mm-hmm. so people kind of lost that. And then people just stopped talking about him after that. It was almost like when when we're not having the debate about whether or not Kershaw can pitch in the playoffs, we're not. We're just not going to talk about him because we're going to talk about Degrom and we're going to talk about Scherzer and we're going to talk about Corbin Burns now and and rightfully so, those guys are fantastic, right? But in the National League, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has just consistently been one of the best pitchers year after year after year for 16 years now, 14 years, 15 years, whatever it is, and it's just yeah. like it's unbelievable. Um, and how he's done it too, because the guy that came up in 2008 was a four seam curveball pitcher. And now he just, he throws sliders and he's, he's a guy who's 
like we talked about with Verlander, who's just understood what he's needed to do as he's gotten older to take care of his body and to, you know, maximize his stuff. It's it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it, his his slider must be like an invisible, like it must blend with his fastball so well. I mean, he, that that's kind of when his strikeout numbers. He kind of became this pitcher like the year in twenty fifteen when he had three hundred strikeouts. Like everybody talked about his curveball, and and in reality, if you look at this, the data, his curveball is just like it's a good complementary pitch. You know what I'm saying? Like it keeps guys honest. It keeps guys off balance. It moves a lot and it looks cool and guys get out on their front mm-hmm. side a lot. But when it really comes down to it, like that slider changed his career. And I mean, this is a guy who was already competing for Cy Young's at a high level. But when he started using that slider, like he just became dominant. I mean, it's just been a pitch that that just seems to be unhittable for him and you know, being able to just like all he does is 91 into righties and then it's slider off the back foot and guys just flail at it. And then lefties think it's a fastball black on the outer half and then end up swinging at a pitch out. Like he's, it's, and it's not that difficult to figure out what he's going to do. And that shows how elite his slider really is, is that it just freaking like guys know it's coming. You're not stupid. And you still swing at it and you still chase it every time because you're like, ooh, it's final. I'm finally getting a heater. And next thing you know, it's freaking in the other batter's box and you're swinging at it. Yeah, I think the way he spins it, right? If you if you look at the spin between his fastball and his slider, right? A, a lot of guys nowadays are getting that super tight gyro spin on their slider, right? Mm-hmm. Like DeGrom, like Alcantara, um, where they're throwing those 93 mile an hour sliders that just spin like a bullet. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're really seeing the dot on it. Right. And what makes that tough is they're throwing it so hard and it's got, it's got such a late life and it's, and you know, it's spinning like a bullet and that's just really hard to hit. And that's kind of been the new age of slider as we've, you know, come into the last, I would say like four or five years here. Right. Once we've really started to, to measure spin and stuff like that, as a lot of people have gone more towards those, those sliders that spin like a bullet, right. Really low spin efficiency. Kershaw's, if you look at kind of how it spins, it spins a lot like his fastball. And that's what's fascinating to me is because he gets a little more depth and a little bit of more of a sweep with it almost side to side. He still throws it firm and it, you know, it's, it's not, it's not slurvy by any means, but he's spinning it not as tight almost. And it's more, um, backspun like his fastball is, you know, and you look at the curveball and it's, it's the same as that four speed, four seam spin as far as, you know, the four seam goes, four seam is just backspun, and then the curveball is just top spun, right? So then the slider is just like almost like he's gotten in between it and he's just backspun it and he's just kind of turned it on its axis a little bit. And, um, man, it, like you said, guys just don't see it. You, it's, it's really yeah. hard to pick that up. It's, you know, similar to how the, the sliders are nowadays, hard to pick up because they're so firm and they kind of gyro. So you, it's hard to see that. His is the same way. His is the same way because I think his spin with his fastball and his slider are just so similar that, you know, by the time you're making a swing decision on it, guys, just you're done, right? It's too late. You know, yeah. you've gone too far. Um, and you that's why you see he gets a lot of those back foot check swings because mm-hmm. guys try and stop and, it's you know, it's just far yeah. too late. And I also think yeah. something that really helps him is how he, he plays the fastball with it. 
I mean, he pairs the fastball really well with it and he dots his fastball. He always has. And, and, you know, to be able to do that and then throw the slider more, right. You're getting, you're getting a diet of sliders. And then here comes a fastball and he's painting it, you know, off your front hip on the inside part of the plate. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I mean, it was like Patrick Corbin when he was at his best was just the ability to command an average fastball to the hands and Kershaw has an above average fastball. I mean, his fastball has hop on it. Corbin's did not. So you're taking, you know, Corbin was competing for Cy Young's when he really had all of his stuff dialed in. Like now Kershaw's just reinvented himself to be him, but with a better fastball. And it's like, it was like we were talking about with Devin Williams. Like when Devin Williams starts to get too change up happy, guys just start spitting on it because it's never in the zone. It's hard to like he it moves so much that it's literally never in the zone. But you just see him always. If you watch a Devin Williams inning, he'll you just see him lull guys to sleep with the changeup, and then here comes ninety four, and he'll miss it. Like he'll like today he threw one against Wilmer Flores that was out of the zone and way out of the zone, not even competitive. But guess what? The next pitch was a swinging strike on a changeup because they. It just keeps a hitter honest, and that's what Kershaw does. Like for guys who hit three, four in a lineup, he lulls you to sleep with the slider. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. But the second he you start, he starts to get slider happy. Here comes ninety one with hop. You you can't cheat to it because then you look stupid on the slider, and then because of the hop, it beats you. And it gets it gets over your barrel, and next thing you know, you're like, I just swung through 91, and you know th- that's the best pitch I'm going to get all day. And you're 0 for four with three punchies, and you're just like, your brain is in a blender. And it's just that's what he's able to do is just command. I mean, he's basically throwing two pitches. I know he flashes the curveball, but I don't even think he needs that. Like I, I think he could just go out there. Like I mean, Degrom right now is like you said, like he's commanding to glove side with fastball slider. That's it, and he's he's killing it i think kershaw could do the same thing glove side to the outer third with fastball slider and just it'd be it would be a nightmare for hitters yeah honestly i wonder at this point it's just almost like a respect thing right now that that term gets used a lot in pitching which used to drive me nuts right it's like show them a lot of times at like the college level or something it'll be like show them a change up just so you know they have to think about it it. and my thing would be like no it stinks you're not throwing right like it would be like no if it stinks we're not gonna throw it like there's no point i used to hate that the the show it to them right i was always coached that way i couldn't spin a baseball and for the longest time it was like throw this this crappy spin you know curveball to just make them respect it they know you have it it's like no it stinks i don't want to throw it Right. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what I did. And, and, but with Kershaw legitimately almost like a respect thing. One, I think it's still a weapon that he can command it and he can drop it in. Right. And he almost freezes people with it too. But that's Clayton Kershaw. He's always been billed as this curveball guy. When you see that thing, you do respect it. Right. This yeah. isn't. This isn't Dan Galati's crappy spin in Division II baseball. That kid doesn't even know who I am. It's terrible. There's mm-hmm. no use in throwing it. This is Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw's 12-6 curveball that, like, depending on who the hitter is, has either been buckled by it when it was really good earlier in, the, in his career or someone who grew up watching him buckle people by it earlier yeah. in the career. So then there is a respect factor in there. So I yeah. think that's what helps add that weapon. And again, 
from you know that's just kind of a fun theory about it but to me it's i think he still can command it and it does when when righties get so inside conscious on him with the fastball slider to then drop a curveball in we're out of the hand it looks like it's going to be a fastball up and away it'll lock you up right if you can do that three times a game with two strikes or even in a 1-0 count one one count where they where they are they're comfortable and now you got them thinking Mm -hmm. okay here's fastball up and away and it's you know dropping a curveball in for a strike it doesn't need to be the nasty put away one and again and he throws it what 16 percent of the time anyway so yeah i think that's kind of how he uses it but man just to your point about and and how he commands the slider and i think that's one of the differences between him and, and even corbin when corbin was really good is that kershaw just commands his stuff better Right. Yeah. Corbin always commanded the glove side fastball really good, but he never threw the slider for strikes. Yeah, now, was, he didn't it need to because day. it was it was in the dirt. Correct, yeah. but he didn't need to because it was so good and he was getting so many swings and misses. But Kershaw commands that thing. Kershaw yeah. dots it up. You'll see him get punchy. He's looking on that thing where guys are like, "Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I recognize slider. Great ball." It's like, no, he just painted yeah. that on you. Yeah. How many times has he nibbled that bottom corner of the zone on a mm-hmm. slide? Like if he gets 2-0, again, it looks so much like his fastball. All he does is start it out over and squares up Will Smith right at the bottom of the zone. And it's just like, boop, strike. You're 2-1 now. He just got, he just like Corbin couldn't do that. When he got 2-0, he was heater no. and he was just heater. hoping it was in and he was hoping you couldn't get extension to it. But with Kershaw, like he throws get me over sliders that are just good. They're tight. They get swings and misses. They catch hitters off guard, everything. And it's just like, and it's not like it's a middle, middle pitch. Like it is just freaking like, I'm starting this in the middle and it is going to still be a strike. I know exactly how to throw it where it's still a strike, but it's not competitive for the hitter to get extension on. And I back to the curveball for a little bit too is I think he almost uses I mean you look at the movement profile, it is straight 12-6. Like is he almost using this as a change up almost where where people want something that's going away from the hitter right but like he gets something that isn't coming in on the hitter you know what i'm saying like because that slider breaks obviously left to right and then you have the fastball that kind of has that hop and and a little bit of rise and the curveball just almost works as a change up and with how slow it is it just catches those guys like if if kershaw needs a double play right the Perfect situation almost is to lull somebody sleep with a fastball off the plate, one zero, and then just whoop. Here's a little dumper curveball, getting it over, and it's not dumpy, but you know what I'm saying. Like a get me over yep. curveball, and a guy's geared up for fastball slider because that's all he's seen, and then he's out on his front side and beating that thing right to the shortstop. Trey Turner picking it, turning it. You're out of the inning. Yeah, and again, I think it's it's less that it's a changeup. Right, it's less that he uses it a change up, and more of it's just he can also pair that with the fastball. Yeah, and it looks like fastball out over the plate. Yeah, and so in that sense of it's moving different directions, yeah, it's uh, yes, but it's a, to a hitter the the way the curveball is going to come off his window, especially if you think of where Kershaw's slot is. Right, he goes he goes you know overhead 
comes down, sinks, and then almost looks like he's coming straight over the top because of the way he collapses on the backside, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about it, it looks like fastball out over the time. That's what used to make it so great is when it when the fastball was 94, 95 yeah. with a ton of ride through the zone, and then it was just hammer off of it, right? It's still looking like fastball out of the plate, and when you're just getting tortured inside as a hitter, right, and, and he's opened you up, you're thinking, oh, 91 out over the plate. Yep. Finally, this guy got him. He made a mistake. And no, it's an 82 mile an hour. And I wouldn't even call 72. it a get me over curve. 72, sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't 72. even call it a get me over. Like, because it's Clayton Kershaw, he gets so much downward tilt on it still that, yeah. like, he, it's just a, it's a hammer that he controls for a strike. Yeah. I think it. I think the reason I call it a get me over too is because it's not it's as tight as it used strike. to be. Sure. No. I mean that and thing like that's used to. It used the, to have a trap yeah, door the, on it. Used to just be like. Ugh. You'd just be like, oh my god, that thing yeah. was. Gr-. Now it's just kind of like like it's tight and the movement says it's it's moving a ton, especially for a pitch at seventy three miles per hour. But it just doesn't have that same bite that it used to. But it's still a really good pitch. Yeah. It used to be a trapdoor curveball, and there's not very many yeah. people who, who who you've seen throw those. Like even even guys like Wayno didn't have that trapdoor. I mean Barry Zito, right? Like I, I think of Barry yeah. Zitos or some guys had the sliders who were like that, right? Randy Johnson, Steve Carlton, slurve was like that was like a, a trapdoor slurve. And by trapdoor, obviously, I mean just like it disappears, right? Like it, that, it just the bottom falls out. Um, but yeah, so it's not quite as tight, but it still has that, the tumble to it, right? The 12, six overhand, just, you know, true top spin, um, to a baseball that, that not many guys can get. And it's really, I mean, I think it's probably the hardest thing to figure out how to do. I mean, it's so tough. Um, so, you know, if you're in the middle of your season, like August, don't scrap one of your better out pitches and try and and tell a guy to start throwing one because they're really tough, really, really tough. Um, obviously not talking about anything specific when I say that, but, uh, hypothetically yeah, when you look speaking. at these, hypothetically speaking, yeah, don't take a, a, a guy who's whatever, you know, uh, just looking at some of these Kershaw numbers, just unbelievable. I mean, when you think about the fact that, um, his worst ERA ever was last year, and it was a three five five with an ERA plus of still one nineteen. And you know, this year obviously he's just about at a hundred innings this year, and his ERA plus is one sixty two. You know, you think back to seventeen, the year that they had that great World Series with the Astros, obviously a one seventy nine ERA plus. Right, seven times he struck out more than two hundred guys, and as you mentioned earlier, in fifteen he strikes out three hundred and one guys in twenty fifteen and walks forty two. I mean, that's the other thing about him. Like, he has been consistently in the zone. How many no-hitters and perfect games has he flirted with in his career? It felt like from that stretch, legitimately, from 2011 through probably 2017, 2018, it felt like every time he went out there, there was a no-hitter alert on your phone. Yeah. Right? Like, he was through six no-hit innings. And, you know, we all, again, we all talk about how great Jacob deGrom is, and he is. He is. He's probably the best pitcher on the planet right now. But career ERA wise, 
Jacob DeGrom has the same career ERA as Clayton Kershaw, and Clayton Kershaw has thrown 2,500 innings. Think about that, 2,500 innings. I mean, so just the, to, to be this good for this long and to be able to reinvent yourself, um, man, it's funny because yeah. you really can. It's easy. It's as crazy as this sounds. Um, it's almost easy to forget just how good he is, which is fascinating. Yeah. And for reference, uh, Clayton Kershaw's thrown 1,200 more innings than Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I mean, and it, it it really is amazing, and I I think I don't think it's going out on a ledge to say Jacob Degrom, when he's healthy over the last couple of years, has been the most dominant stretch of pitching for our lifetime. Sure, and you know, I mean, with the strikeout. Although, numbers, I'm sorry, I guess. I'm sorry. Hold on, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, looking at again, thinking back to the 2011 that stretch from to like 11 to 80. Yeah, or even 15, 16, 7. Like, it felt like you were getting a no-hitter alert every single yeah. time he went to the mound. It was yeah. it was automatic. Automatic. Yeah, I mean, let's just say, okay, Trevor suffers from recency bias with that take. That's fair. We all do. It's, we all we do. All do. We, we all have our biases. Which is why we've, you know, we've all kind of forgotten just how good he's been. Because we all do suffer from recency bias, you know? And it's like... <clears throat> We've all been enamored with the Scherzers and the DeGroms and the Verlanders and the, I mean, in Verlander, you could arguably have this same conversation about. Um, yeah. So, yes, we all suffer from recency bias. Shout out. First off, Connor Contreras, you know who you are. You have my book that I was just going to reference on on the podcast. 115 Lee's Place, send it back because I want it. <laughs> about biases in baseball. I, I sent it to you for a reason. You know who you are. I was looking for it on my bookshelf. And now now it's gone because you've had it for a, for a while. Finish it up. Let's let's send it back home because I'm about to buy another one. But Keith Wall wrote a really good book. I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head about biases in baseball. Um, and it's, it's Everybody who is a baseball fan should read it. I'm going to look it up right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ramble for a second while I uh while I find the name of this book. But um, yeah, I mean the the one thing I feel like I haven't touched on is the fact that of the playoff stuff, and and I think what what hurts Kershaw the most is a obviously the era we live in is. You know, LeBron James, Tom Brady, it's all, all those other sports are so much about playoffs and it hurts Mike Trout. It hurts Bryce Harper. It hurts all these guys that baseball's just different. You know what I'm saying? You can get pitched around. You can, you know, like you could have a bad week, all those things like that. Now I will say Clayton Kershaw has almost doubled his ERA in the playoffs in 200 innings. I mean, he basically has a full season of innings up there. I think what hurts him the most in the playoffs is he kind of gets got by big home runs. I mean, there's, you can count him in the regular season. He just doesn't give up home runs in the playoffs. He does. And that's what makes it tough. And, and in the playoffs, obviously everything is magnified and, you know, the, you play for the home run more, better lineups, everything of that nature. But, you know, I, I hate judging any athlete by only their playoff performance. I just think it's a don't crap you also, it's, it's in a vacuum. Don't you also think, though, that some of his playoff woes, like if you look at the majority of his playoff mishaps, it's come as a reliever 
and it's come as in game fives when he's already pitched game one. So he's pitching on three yeah. days rest. After and it's always late in the season. game. It's always late in the game. Yeah, it's always when we run him back out in the seventh, 94 pitches when he just threw 120 Monday and it's now yeah. Thursday. I agree. I mean, it's, it, it's, I've, I would trust me. I'm the biggest Clayton Kershaw fan in the world. And I would love to, I, I've had every excuse in the book that I want to use for, for why, you know, why, why does he struggle? But it, there is statistically speaking, I mean, that, that was the whole thing about Derek Jeter is he has a full season of at bats in the playoffs and hit 300. Clayton Kershaw has a full season of stats and is pitching to a 4.19. And, and again, like give or take whatever it is there along the way i would still when he was at his best even with his woes i'm still giving him the ball i'm not giving it to madison bumgarner i'm not giving it to max scherzer when he was at his best i was like i am losing this game with my ace on the mound and and it's the same thing with garrett cole like there's a stretch where people are like does nestor cortez pitch game seven no i'm losing with the guy i'm paying money and who has the track record to pitch at a high level i'm not losing with the guy we got off of waiver wire and who turned into a stud so like when he was at his best i would have taken him in game seven over madison Baumgartner any day of the week and i get madison Baumgartner was a big game pitcher but i'm taking the track record because that guy could go out and give me seven no hit innings on a given day also it's keith law the inside game if you have not read that book and you are a baseball fan you 100 should order it now Really, really good book. So here we, I'm sorry. So I'm just, I, I have to do this. Okay. So again, just going back to the postseason one, I think part of what hurt him was the fact that during that same stretch, Mad Bum was doing what Mad Bum was doing. Chevron yes. was pointing to Bum Garner. And it's like, yeah, but go look at the regular season numbers. Go, go look at how many innings Bum Garner has thrown. Again, like, you're talking about a guy who's logging the most innings in Major League Baseball most years, and then he's going out there and pitching him on short rest, right? In in 2013, right, he has like a a, a six something ERA against the Cardinals in the 2013 postseason, right? Well, in Game Two of the NLCS that year, he went six innings, two hits, one run, none earned. Yep, you run him back out there on three days rest, four innings, ten hits, seven runs. You know, and it was and, all and, and that can, fourth inning. Fifth inning, yeah, and you can, he couldn't get it out in right. fifth inning, and then a reliever gave up three of them. Yep, right. And so then you come back and you do it again, essentially. Now in the fourteen NLDS against the Cardinals, he just wasn't good, and you know that kind of balloons it up there. But then if you go back to to all these other years, right, it always seems to be that that sec right member in in sixteen against the Nationals in Game Four shoves in game one game four he comes back he gets hit a little bit it's the seventh inning that gets him right yep. and then he ends up then he ends up coming out of the bullpen anyway later and then against against the cubs in game two seven innings no runs game six five innings five runs and you just yeah. look at this over and over again so okay well when they bring him he wasn't good on short rest after throwing 230 innings during the regular season and not many people not many people could do it and at the time Madison yeah. Bumgarner was doing it and that's why Kershaw kind of got that label I think yeah and he he 100 he, he he's been dominant in playoff games like it's not 
it's not for a matter of him not being dominant in playoff games. It's just like when you're an ace, you're just held to another standard. You know what I'm saying? And and sure, sure that he was put in tough situations, but like, and he's taking the ball and giving it his best. Like that's that's all you can ask for from your ace. As from my perspective, as like if I was Dave Roberts or Don Mattingly, like let's just say like, hey Kirsch, did you give it your all? Yeah, I made a couple bad pitches. Okay, that's all we're asking of you. Obviously, the fan base and, and MLB baseball wants him to be perfect every time he takes the ball again because Mad Bum was doing it. But, you know, he's put in some tough situations. There's no denying that. It's just tough to see the, the, the homers. But, you know, home runs in the playoffs, I mean, that's, that's kind of the name of the game at, at that point in the season. I mean, no, no doubt about it. And uh, just real quick, I just wanted to, to, in comparison, you know, Bumgarner, 102 innings, and he pitched to a 2-1 ERA, right? And the only time he ever really got hit was the Cardinals, which, by the way, the Cardinals just seem to do it to everybody. Yeah. They just get everyone at all times. But, you know, you look at the stretch that, that, that Bumgarner went on, and it was really, you know, 12 12, 14, and 16. It was three postseasons. And that's the other thing is Kershaw was doing it every single year. Mad Bum's getting a break to at least rest up a little bit. I mean, you're talking about Kershaw logging 230 and then plus in the postseason every single year for that stretch. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses, but. No. Um, and I also want to say, like, I mean, as we're sitting here looking at it, you know, I'm scrolling back and forth on his baseball reference page. In the playoffs, it's a 1.07 whip. In regular season, right. 1.003. So pretty close. Hits per nine in the regular season, 6.8. In the playoffs, 7.3. Home runs per nine, 0.7. This is the difference. Postseason, 1.3 home runs per nine. He's almost a full or half a run or half a home run more in the postseason. Walks per nine, 2.4 in the postseason, 2.2 in the regular season. Strikeouts per nine, 9.8 in the regular season, and 9.9 in the playoffs. So, like, I mean, even then you can tell he's just been, like, like batted ball luck for a couple more home runs because everything else is the same. Like, walks, hits, everything. Just an extra uh, half an extra home run in the postseason per game. Right. That's I mean that's the way to get him, but I it's interesting and and he, he you know he's obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer he's the best pitcher of our generation and uh, it was interesting to to you know hear them them talk about it on MLB Network and um you know he's up there with the best of all time like Lefty Grove yeah Lefty Grove was sick people forget about that I'm telling you if you if you've never done it. Go on YouTube and search Lefty Grove and watch some highlights. It could be because the frames per second were like, you know, 12 back then. But it looks like, I mean, it looks like the ball jumps out of the guy's hand. 1931 World Series. Go check it out. I'm telling you. Just saying. Kershaw is one of the best. Um, last time we didn't get to talk about postseason teams. Um. Because we had we had run a little bit long, we had done about thirty minutes, much like tonight, about field hockey and college football. Um, but I didn't give you any postseason teams, so we'll do two tonight, right? So, uh, as a reminder, 
the end of these episodes as we head down the stretch i'll we'll you know i'll ask you about a, a playoff team and trev you'll give me uh your opinion on what they need to do to keep the spot they're in or improve their position and what makes them dangerous um come playoff time um we've talked so far about um the jays and i believe the braves correct and no. so to, jays and braves was it the Braves? Yeah. uh-huh i, I mean if not we a, could go back i go thought ahead. it was we like i thought it was the guardians you know somebody it was on the, the fringes Guardian. of the it was the nl and somebody the on the fringes this is no, really good podcasting the by the way <laughs> that we can't remember i guess i'll have to go back and look uh, tomorrow to figure it Maybe out. Maybe it was. I'm going to give you two. I, you you're more reliable than I am. So in terms of remembering these things, so maybe it was the Braves. I just could have sworn it was. Yeah, if we'll go Braves. Yeah, it was the Braves. Okay. Well, I would. I'm going <laughs> to tonight. We'll go with two first place teams. Okay, we'll go one NL one. I'm AL. cutting we'll that start out of this the- whole thing. No, you can't. That's good. Let the people know that we're not that good at this. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we go back and forth for five minutes about, I'm pretty sure it was the Braves. It was the Braves now that I'm remembering. So it was either the Braves or the Brewers. It was a B team. No, it was the Braves. I could have Anyway, sw- I tell it was me about the Astros in the central. You? The Astros, I mean, experience, bullpen. Um, their bullpen is just unbelievable. I mean, the Ryan Stanek, if you haven't watched him pitch, is fun. Hector Neris is has always been gross. Sorry, Philly fans. Um, he's just always been cover really your good ears. Pitcher. Um, and you have Ryan Presley who spins a baseball better than most, and then even the guys they roll out of there that are early in the game are probably doing something unique. I mean, there, there's a reason the Houston Astros roster them and it's just, that's, you know, they get a lead. If they get a lead, it's, it's pretty well over with that team. Yeah. You didn't even mention possibly my favorite one, Rafael Montero. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. It's Fuel. just, they're, they're so just- deep. Gross. So deep. Um, exactly. I agree. And the experience, right? And we, you know, I was kind of talking about them a, a good bit last time when we were talking about the Yankees and why we, we both had concerns about the Yankees. And I was just like, well, looking at who they got to get through, that Astros team who's been there, done it just year after year after year now for the last five years. Um, they're just so good and they just do everything right. And they're just. One night you're going to get shut out by their pitching staff. The next night they're going to hang 13, 14 runs on you. And it's just, you know, it's turned into one of those places. Like that place down there in Houston, that ballpark has just turned into like nightmares for so many different teams. The Yankees, the Dodgers, like the Nationals are the only ones who could go in there and seem like do anything in there. Um, But I feel like the Red Sox have a ton of just meltdown moments in that stadium. Um they're so good. I would expect them. To, I, I'll be surprised if anyone can beat them come postseason time. Yeah, this year it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. They just know how to win in the playoffs. They just get it. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, let's go with runs. 
the team who seems to do the same thing every year, which is come this time of year, they are the hottest team in baseball, and they're running away with their division, St. Louis Cardinals. I don't to be honest with you, like it's it's they're they're the St. Louis Cardinals. So like they've just built this and would I put my money on them to win the World Series? No, but they have two of arguably the best players in the NL this year. Um in terms of on the corners of the infield and Goldschmidt could win the triple crown, probably gonna win the MVP. Obviously, Arenado is probably more valuable in his defensive value that he brings. He's arguably the best defender in in the world um, for the last 15, 10, 15 years, however long he's been in the big leagues, maybe not 10, 15, probably eight to 10, but you know, he just picks it. I thought he was falling off last year. He had a rough year last year. Peripherals weren't great. And guess who's back just staying through baseball's backsman and them to the pool side. And, and obviously with what they do in the pitching side, I mean, they got a lot of good mojo going for him. Like, like if I was playing, like if I, you know, like the, the, the World Series tragedy card, like, you know, the Houston Astros had the hurricane, the Red Sox had the shooting, like, they got the good mojo going with the Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright that, like, you know, you never know, you could blink your eyes and be like, oh, these dudes Yachty. are on there. Yachty, like, they got the old dudes just, like, last hurrah um, type mojo going for it. So, actually, that's that's probably what I would say is the biggest thing in their favor is just the fact that they have these old heads that are going to help them win play all series just because they're on their last hurrah. Yeah, and I think just the way they've built that team, right? Like you, you kind of summed it up with they're just the St. Louis Cardinals, right? And every year, like I said in the beginning, it's just they go on this crazy run come late August, September, where they're the best team in baseball. Everybody remembers the 117 in a row last year. They have a bunch of homegrown talent, and then they've sandwiched two of the best players in the NL in the middle of their lineup. And Paul Goldschmidt is the best player in the NL this year. I'm I'll argue anyone with it. I think he should be the MVP. I think he's running away with it. I think what he's meant to that lineup, to that clubhouse, to even Arenado. You hear Arenado talk about about Goldschmidt and just how going to work with Goldie every single day and what he's learned from him has just been incredible, right? And you hear Mark DeRosa talking about managing Team USA and and the type of guy Paul Goldschmidt is is he's he's gonna win, he might win the Triple Crown and the MVP and he's texting Dior saying whatever whatever the club needs I'll do. Yeah. Like he's just, and, and I think he fits so well in St. Louis. And then, yeah, the pool host mojo, the Adi mojo, Wayno. Um, and now Flaherty's back and Jordan Montgomery's throwing out of his mind. So they're scary. They're legit scary. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't mention it on this episode. We probably should. Like the Braves have now run down the Mets. Um, the NL, I think, is the much stronger league, right? Because legitimately oh, yeah. to me, there's four teams in the National League. That if they wound up in the World Series, I wouldn't be surprised even a little bit. And the Cardinals are one of them, right? I still yeah. think the Mets are there, even though because the Mets, the Mets since June first have conceded what is it, ten and a half, eleven games in the division, and they've played yeah. almost twenty over five hundred. So it's not like the Mets have been awful, right? And they've collapsed here. This isn't your typical New York Mets tripping over themselves the Braves have just been 44 games over 500 or whatever it is a million over 500 so um you know the Dodgers the Mets the the Braves and the and the Cardinals I think are all legitimate contenders in the National League I'm actually really 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 proud of the fact that you did not take an absolute lap there 
Because A, we, you said long way to go, long way to go. You, you said in that episode, but I, I mean, you, you deserve credit for saying that you wouldn't be surprised if the Braves ran them down. You said that, and I quote, and I, to be honest with you, I sat on this side of the computer after after the five game series and went, okay, <laughs> calling your <laughs> shot. You don't you don't like the Mets? I get it, and. I mean, we've been saying it since that series. I mean, I know the Braves have been playing their best baseball since that series, but before the series, again, not to flex for all both of us here, like that team's more talented than the team that won the World Series. Do not get it confused. Kyle Wright is nope. better. Spencer Strider is an ace potential. You could argue he is an ace. Matt Olson is really good. Michael Harris is a superstar. Austin Dansby Riley Swanson keeps getting better. better. Dansby Swanson is better. They're better at the catcher position Acuna with Darnell Contreras. Yeah, Cunha's healthy. Like, sorry, Mets fans, your five-game series win was cute, but like, I- I'm sorry, this team is really, really good, and your contact first-oriented team is, is cute and all, but like, this team is talented. And and congrats on your five game series win in in August. Wait till September. Wait till October. And this team ran them down. I mean, I I think they're more talented. I think they're just as good. I think they they stack up at every position. I think the only only place they don't stack up is one and B and the one A and one B in the pitching staff. But for Spencer sure. Schreiner could go out there against the Mets and punch out 10 in eight innings, and DeGrom could get got, or Scherzer could get got. And then you have Max Fried against the other guy. Like, it's not out of the run. It's not like they're throwing, you know, it's not like no. the Cardinals might have to go Wayno and Montgomery, which you're, if you're hinging your bets on DeGrom or Scherzer or Wayno and Montgomery, like, you know who I'm taking there. But the Braves, on the other hand, like, they're – they're throwing out some pretty freaking good arms, and their lineup is better than the Mets. It's not a hot take to say that they're better than the Mets. They're better defensively. They're more athletic. They're deeper. You called it. I'm going to take the lap for you. I'm going to take the lap and, and say, like, the, peop- the people that texted me, the okay, sorry, the person that I'm now I'm taking shots on the podcast to our listeners. That said, they aren't scared of the Braves. You were wrong. I'm just telling you. And I'm, I'll get a text from you tomorrow when you listen to this. You were wrong. I'm sorry. Listen, listen. I'm not going to take my lap yet. Yet. If the You're Mets smart. truly lose this division, there will be an episode where I am insufferable for Mets fans. That's all I, I'm going to say. That is all I'm going to say. I, I will be insufferable, but it's not over yet. It's still September 8th. They've been they've been chased down. Now let's see what you got. Because they can finish. Yeah. You, exactly. The Braves have to finish and the Mets do. Now, if I'm a Mets fan, I'm thinking, here we go again. I've seen this movie in September 110 times. Now. Yes. Look. I'll also be honest, okay? If the Mets lose the division, I will be insufferable for one episode on this podcast. I will take I will take my lap. It'll be awful to listen to because we took be our lap for on some that Mets episode. Yep. But listen, it's not the end of the world for the baseball team. For their fans, I want no. them to. Th- I will want them to think it's the end of the world. It's not a yeah. three game series 
at home when you have DeGrom and Scherzer against what looks like it's going to be a Phillies team who you're 14-5 and five against on the year? That, not the end of the world. Having yeah. to go to L.A. Well, in, the, in the NLDS stinks a lot. After a burning lot, your first two starters. After burning your first two starters in that wild card. But it's not the end of the world if they lose that division. But just, again, no. qualifier, I will be insufferable for one episode on here. No, and, if the Braves and my the whole point of this to because because I know I know the text is going to come, so I, I'm going to say this right now. I'm not saying that the Braves are going to win the division. I'm not saying the Braves are going to win in the playoffs. The Mets could go do both, but the audacity sure. to say that you are not afraid of this I'll, Braves I'll, I'll team. I'll address it right, right. It'll, it'll that's all, all I'm addressing right now. It, it, and but that's yeah. what I'm addressing right now is you could go win the division. You the Mets could go win beat the Braves head to head in a playoff series. But to not acknowledge how good this Braves team, how deep they are, how talented they are, is just ignorance. And and the Mets were riding high and the Mets fans were riding high and they're still playing really good baseball and they're still a really good baseball team and they could very well go win a World Series. I'm not taking any of that away from them. But that Braves team is really good. They are really, really, really good, and they could very easily be the best team in the NL. Oh, no question about it. There's just absolutely no question. Um, it'll be – I mean, it's going to be a great last couple – you know, last – we got a month left. It'll be fantastic to watch it all play out. I mean, it's the drama you want because every other division is pretty much wrapped up in baseball, I feel like. The NL East – or AL East – um, and I guess there's an outside, you know, the central, the AL central state's a division. I, you just, you couldn't pay yeah, me that, to remember that, the AL central. You couldn't do that, it. It's yeah, just, that division I, is a snooze fest, but yes, you're right. It's not over. It's not over, but you know, the, I guess the, the, the NL central feels like it's pretty much over. Right, the Milwaukee's not coming back from eight and a half. Not the way they're playing. San Diego's obviously not. Uh, San Diego is a playoff team. And they're 19 games out of first place. Um, so it's really, you're, you know, in the AL West, again, the Mariners are a playoff team. Doesn't feel like they're going to overcome 11 games. You know, the, the the Rays, I guess, have an outside shot at the Yankees at five. I don't see it happening. Guardians no. are only two up on both Minnesota and the White Sox. And uh, which could you, uh, real quick, as bad as the White Sox have been, one good month and they might win their division and be a playoff team. Yeah, one good month. They need to, they need stinks. one. They haven't had they it does. Yeah. They that's what's crazy. They have not had a single good month this year. And they could have one and be hosting uh uh right now would be the uh hosting a, a Blue Jays team in a best of 3 in Chicago. It's Crazy. Yeah. All I'm going to say is we haven't talked about the White Sox yet. We probably should. The roster construction of that team, the manager aside, like that was a bad decision. The roster construction is just – you have first baseman playing everywhere. Every guy on the roster should be playing first base. Like every guy who started, except for Tim Anderson and Luis Robert. Like everybody else you could argue is a first baseman at this point in their career. Ah, it's so, you're so, it's just, it's gross. 
It's gross. It's just, it, I'm sorry. It's, like a it's fantasy just baseball really, lineup. really gross. It's literally yeah. a fantasy baseball lineup. Like, oh, let me load up on I mean, first baseman because they can all hit. Your corner outfielders some nights are both first basemen, right? Eloy and Andrew Vaughn. Like yeah. every time you try and let Eloy run around in the outfield, he gets hurt. <laughs> can't he's do raking. it. Yeah. <laughs> he is, but I'm sorry. What every is- time he tries to run around out there, he's on the I.L., so speaking Damn, of fantasy Andrew baseball, Vaughn's a first baseman. What are what are we hinging on? Uh, it's a little late. Late. I built myself a nice cushion, but like, what are burning you getting me for? Uh, if for the winner of this, uh, what are we what are we putting down for this week in fantasy baseball? I'm not and nothing about. Yeah, you asked me that on Thursday night when you have a lead. Don't you're a Mets fan right now? Come talk to me when the season's over. We'll see where we're at. <laughs> okay. We'll see next where time, we're at when the next time over. we play. Next friend of mine yeah, in college, the playoffs. we used to we used to bet we used to say every fantasy week we played against each other like no questions asked like there was something on the line we'll do it for the podcast we'll take sure. beginning of the week next time no we play. one wants to hear about our fantasy teams but we can do that's it. not true there are fantasy baseball podcasts that do good <laughs> views they say one of them but this also tells me that we got nothing left to talk about tonight. We'll see you next week. We'll be back Monday we night do. after we actually another have a great weekend of college that we were supposed to cover. Well, we always run long because we went 30 minutes on Veterans Day. If you take anything from this, just know that if you're a veteran on Veterans Day, you can get free food at most places, but for sure you can get a pulled pork sandwich from Dickie's Barbecue. Um, I just hope you don't walk into Mr. Power's store because he's not going to be happy giving it to you, and you don't deserve that if you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. Um, We'll be back Monday after another great week of college football. I cannot wait. Bama by five touchdowns in Austin. Penn State will handle Ohio. Georgia gets a semi-bye with the Bulldogs of Samford. Chris Hatcher, he and Kirby Smart coached together at Valdosta State back in the day. Uh, so a lot of respect between the two. So um, if you're into gambling, the line is minus 52. I wouldn't lay it just because I think Kirby's going to lay off his friend a little bit. He he got the message across last week against his buddy Dan Lanning about why recruits should come there to want to play offense this week. His buddy Chris Hatcher, I think he might take it easy on him, although they are cutting him a check for I think it's $675,000. So maybe we're saying, hey, here's – Here's this fat check. We'll run it up on you. Anyway, you listeners out there want to hear about baseball. Have a good weekend. We'll be back next week.